Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your co-host, Ryan. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Thanks for joining us today at the Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. That's right. Your roles are like a bard without an instrument. <laughs> Isn't that just a poet? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, today we're going to hear from Redditor Dracana Sister. Our main topic today will be tools to enhance your gameplay, as well as our final segment, which is Unearth Tips and Tricks. Starting off with our Reddit question, <laughs> uh, user Draconi Sister asks, Phantasmal Force, what sort of things can you actually do with this spell? There's not really a short answer to that. Um, essentially, what Phantasmal Force lets you do on a base level is it lets you alter another character's reality. Essentially, you plant something in their mind and the world around them changes to fit the image you planted in their mind which is pretty awesome yeah and you can use it to do a lot of cool things for example in games we've played you know in a game you've played actually i wasn't there for this but would you want to tell the story i don't know which game you're talking about I've been, the I've, orc god oh dear god yes okay. <laughs> one of my players is new to the group he, he uh decided he's going to bring a wizard and his big specialty was illusion, and he picked up this phantasmal force. Now, at the time, I knew of the spell, but I, this is really the first time I encountered it in combat as the DM. So the players are about to defend a raid on a small uh, outpost against an orc horde. You know, obviously they've got their little militia and support, you know, going on, but the players end up engaging the lead squad, which has the, the horde leader, they engage the horde leader, and when it comes, they engage in combat. You know, they're taking out an attack and getting ready to attack. They're cocking their bows and everything. And halfway through the battle, the wizard says, I'd like to conjure a phantasmal force image of that orc's god. And I want the god to give him instructions that he is to retreat from this battle for now and to come back on a different time. There is going to be a greater more glorious battle to come but in order for that to happen this battle must not take place i kind of was at a loss for words at first right. i'm like i don't even know if you can do that but the more i read into this ability i realized the more wide range it is the more available options there are really limited only by what i'll allow and what the character's imagination will come up with right i certainly didn't expect him to instead of use it to grapple some lock somebody down or make a wall or imprison him or something to just ask him to leave right so i was kind of torn well i decided that i make a couple i did the the intelligence checks and he failed it pretty horribly so i decided to role play it out as this horde leader squad is about to engage our heroes he turns back and he he sounds an alarm and sends uh messages to his uh commanders saying, we are retreating for now. A battle of great glorious under Groomsh, which I think is the... Some, yeah, Groomsh, I think. The orc god uh, awaits us. I have heard from our deity, and bloodshed awaits us. But for now, we must retreat. And he completely ended my encounter right. with one spell. Now, obviously, this is really up to the DM. Yeah, uh, I mean... Same player uh, in a different game that I was there for <laughs> used the same spell uh, on a half dragon that was he stepped up and challenged our greatest hero to one one on one combat and so this, the guy steps up 
cast Phantasma Force on him, and essentially, basically, the half dragon was surrounded by uh, kobolds, I believe it was. Yeah. Just little, little minion dudes. And what he did was he changed the image in his head, so he saw all of his allies as friends, or all of his allies as enemies, mm-hmm. and all of his enemies as friends. Right. So he immediately like killed two of his friends and then eventually he saw through it right. and realized what was, was happening. A late, though. Yeah. But you know, that just goes to show there's so much you can do with the spell. Yeah. I was, uh, in an online game, uh, not too long ago where I was running this build. I ran a pure illusionist out of fun. I wanted to be different. And usually my mages are all support characters. I don't build them to nuke stuff because right. I don't want to be the, the, stereotype you know i ran this ability and we were fighting these really giant uh slads and we were in the bottom hole of a boat so i decided that he was going to see these massive kraken tentacles bust through the side of the wall and wrap around and restrain him that made sense for the scenario and (laughs) slads are so dumb right he was locked down the entire combat he couldn't break he (laughs) couldn't break our this restraint huh because his intelligence was like a six. Right. You know, and since all my... And so plus, could, yeah, oh, it gets worse. Through. Oh, God. I was a divination wizard. I had uh, I focused on illusions, but I took the divination right. one. So the one time he actually passed, I was like, nope, that's a four. <laughs> and so the DM was kind of a little annoyed by it. But <laughs> when it comes to the spell, it really is limited only by your imagination and what the DM will allow. And in most cases, a DM will get pretty free with it you can do it as something as elaborate as that or you can put somebody in a box or you can surround an outpost with it and they don't see nothing right so there you neutralize a lookout right without them ever knowing and that is you know you can use it to make one character see something that isn't there like you know to alter the terrain in their mind you can do things like that but keep in mind that it only affects the one, one person. Yeah, one character. But it is definitely, as far as creative uses, don't limit yourself. So I hope that we answered your question, Dracana sister. Let your mind do whatever you can come up with. Yeah. Let your de- DM decide if you can do it or not. Mm-hmm. I want you, you to be a flower, a blossom of creativity. Mm-hmm. So thank you for your question. Today's main topic, tools to enhance your game. Now, let's make sure you know, when you first start out, you don't want to go out and buy a bunch of stuff. You want to keep it simple. You, yeah. want your, you want your books, and you want your set of die and a pencil and your character sheet. That's all you really need. So keep it simple first. Decide, first of all, whether you want theater of the mind play or you want tabletop play, because that's also going to affect the tools that you purchase to enhance your gameplay. Exactly, yeah, and everyone has a different preference when it comes to that. You know. Right. For example, we're a really good example of that. I much prefer... Tabletop gameplay, Justin prefers theater of the mind. And so we try to find a sweet spot in between yeah. that when we play. But neither one's right and neither one is wrong. You know, I, I very much enjoy theater of the mind in some instances, and I very much enjoy tabletop in some instances, right. and I'm sure you do as well. Uh, I think some Definitely. games can be... Sometimes a game can have a lot added to it with the tabletop grid, and sometimes not having that adds to the game as well. Right, right. So make that make sure you know what you want before you go buying some of the tools that we will talk about today. Yeah. The most obvious tool for tabletop play, and even for theater of the mind in cases that's really good to have, is a vinyl playmat and a wet erase. Mm-hmm. This is the most common must-have tool for any game. You can get them in different sizes as well. Yeah, I actually prefer to use easel paper. 
I use one inch grid easel paper. Okay. And that way, if I know when I was DMing most of the time, it was at a school which has mm -hmm. an art program, so we could get easel paper very easily. And essentially, yeah, it's you know a big piece of easel paper with one inch grids on it that you can use to sketch out. And I would just use colored pencils and pencil. And beforehand, I would sketch out the maps for the encounter that we were mm -hmm. going to do. And that way, I don't have to hold everyone, draw it out. I can just flop the paper down and then throw the minis on and we're good to go. Right, right. But that does take more work on your end beforehand. Yes, because nothing slows the game down more than drawing out an entire map in the middle of your session. Right. Yeah, if you're going to use the vinyl play mat with wet erase, keep it simple. You know, just draw out what you need to see and draw, you know, the basic layout of the room. You know, don't spend 15 minutes sketching a chair. Just say, okay, just kind of draw a rough little picture of a chair. Okay, that's a chair. Right. This is a fireplace, you know. It allows you to really visualize the, the area that the players right. are in. Yeah, because for the most part, the players are going to visualize and fill in a lot of the details themselves. This is just so they have a template. And Reference so point. everyone kind of has is on the same page as to the shape of the room right. and, you know, the size. You know, and then obviously if you're going to have the vinyl uh, mat, you have to have something to go with it. I mean, how do you track your your players? Some right. people use coins or quarters and everything, but the most common and most notable collectible of all is D&D miniatures. Yes. Tiny, you know, having little figurines that represent uh, the characters on the placemat. Some people love getting these. They love painting them. Mm -hmm. And you can get cheap $3 minis from, you know, a game store, or you can right. get expensive upwards of $100 custom-made minis from various websites online. Right, right. Uh, a really notable one that's starting to come up is HeroForge.com. Yes. They allow you to literally go in and pick different details of each mini down to race, down to packs that they're carrying, down to weapons and positions. Yeah, yeah. objects that are on the hand. You can have your guy carrying a big, you know, piece of ham and a bottle of alcohol on the other, like... And it gives you a lot of customization options. Yeah. Miniatures are fun. If you get them non-painted, painting them is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, when we were in 4th edition, uh, which is where I got most of my minis from, we would have little sit-down sessions where we would sit and all paint together and just talk and get pointers from each other. And it really allowed for a, a social aspect as well. Finding a mini that like perfectly suits your character is, is a really cool experience, you know? Yes. Look, you know, I spent weeks trying to find the mini that I wanted for a character I was playing because I couldn't find one because apparently no company makes elven rogue minis. <laughs> it was did not know that. impossible to find. I finally did find one. Actually, no, I didn't. I ended up getting one custom made. You got one but, custom yeah, made. Yeah, I got one custom made and I loved that mini, you know, and it was And I kind of feel bad because you've only used it a couple times. Yeah, and like it was that. exactly what I wanted my character to be. Right. <laughs> All right, so yes, uh, miniatures, they definitely can help uh, add to the level of gameplay. Plus... It's cool having a little collection of them. Yeah. I'll post some pictures of some little scenes that I've made for when I was focused heavily on oh, tabletop. And minis can really enhance the that big moment when the big badass bad guy comes out mm -hmm. and you just pull out this big mini and just slam it on the table. And it's like, what Did, did you see that? the picture from the game I ran? No. I posted online. No. Remember that big red dragon that used to sit up there? You used that? I used it. <laughs> and their minis were around it. Now, this thing is like 16, 18 inches yeah, tall. It's it is huge. huge. And their jaws just dropped when I placed that thing right on the table. Because for that in combat, co encounter, 
uh, which actually was the one that was part of our last episode's encounter of the podcast with the mag- exploding magmans. I needed positioning. It was super important to track positioning. Right. So I used minis, and of course that meant I got to use my big giant dragon, which is <laughs> massive. So that was a lot of fun. So definitely it can add to the game, and it's just fun to have a little collection of things like those. I like to, I like to collect those. Another uh, tool, and this is actually pretty uh, inexpensive and has a massive uses. Uh, <laughs> simple note cards. Having little, yes. what, four and a half by, what are they, three and a half? How big is a note card? I don't know. Are they three <laughs> by six? I don't know. Three by five. Um, three by five, I think it is. But a small, you know, uh, these note cards, man, they're they're amazing. You can, if you put everyone's initiative on it and right. keep them stacked, you can just cycle, c- cycle through them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it makes sure you don't make any mistakes on initiative. It gets a little... Uh, more difficult if they start like ready in actions and stuff right. but you can just pull that one out till they're ready to trigger and then stick it back in where it goes yeah definitely there are a lot of, there's a lot of information that you're going to want to keep track of as a dm like initiative being one armor classes being another different abilities and uh ability scores of conditions of bad guys conditions that are affecting the players or the bad guys different weapons you know there's a lot of information that may be just specific to this encounter that you're going to want to keep track of. These note cards or even a notebook. If you just have a piece of, like, one big notebook that you kind of jot down your notes in all the time, it's really helpful. Especially as a player, which I'll get to in a second. You can also use these note cards, which is something you do a lot, to write personal write notes to a player. If you only want this player to mm-hmm. have some information, you can pass them a note. I personally like to whisper in their ear. Because I think it adds more suspense and drama while I'm whispering in their ear, and everyone else is like, "Oh, what's he, what's he saying? What's going on?" <laughs> and uh, it's kind, of, it's kind of that moment when you stand up and run over to him, and it's like, "Oh!" <laughs> <laughs> I like, you know, you mentioned for the note passing. I always did that for like perception rules, where right. I thought this is, and sometimes they would notice things that weren't even relevant, and I would pass them a note, so they didn't always think that right. something was going on. It was, it might be a note that says. Hmm, you can smell the fresh daisies from the house next door. You know, right. something like that, where they noticed it, but nobody else really did. It's really useful for that. The other thing, we mentioned tracking initiative. A good thing that I used to do before I got another tool that we'll talk about later is I used to write all the monster information mm-hmm. on, on these. And it would be shorthand, but basically when I got to them, I had all the information there and I wasn't right. flipping through the monster manuals. Yeah, that's the worst. Yeah, if you've got one monster and having the book isn't a big deal, as soon as you got three or four, you don't want to be flipping back and forth through pages. The other thing note cards are really good for is when you're giving out, ta- you want to give out a tangible item to the players, whether it's a, a treasure item, uh, a trinket, or uh, maybe a letter or a note or something that they've got. So they've got something tangible to hang on mm-hmm. to. Uh, I really used to use it a lot for magic items. So yeah. I can physically give them an item instead of them trying to go through a book and scribble it out on from the, the DMV. Yeah, and you can really do a lot of cool things with that mm-hmm. as opposed, you know, you can just write it down on a note card and give it to me or you can print out, you know, like you do now. Right. Uh, I don't know how long you've done this, but Justin likes to print out these, you know, they, it's kind of this old scroll-looking design in the background and it's got you know, the description of the item, what it does, etc etc and those kind of things are really cool because you it's just something you have you know this represents that item right and like you said i don't have to be you don't have to worry about me having to go through and like write down and every little find all the information yeah it's a lot easier to just already done pull it out go oh what's this sword do and you pull out this paper oh okay i can do this with it and it slows down the game too when people have to stop and write down the treasures and everything and for the most part like magic items that people are going to use a lot 
mm-hmm. they'll memorize what they Eventually, do. Like, yep. especially if it's like becomes like their main weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, if you give like a frost brand weapon or something that they're going to be using the majority of the time. After a session or two, they're going to know what it does, and they're not right. going to they're they're need it anymore. Yep. But the, the idea is that you know you can use note cards for stuff like this, and mm-hmm. it's very good, powerful, and inexpensive tool when you're getting started. We talked briefly about tracking monsters. Yeah, um, there's a really useful app on iOS. I thought it was on Android, but apparently it is it, not. I, I wasn't able yeah. to find it, um, but it doesn't mean you can't be sneaky on <laughs> an Android. <laughs> Uh, and it's called Fight Club 5. I'm sure there are plenty of apps that do the same thing mm-hmm. out there. But the one I use is called Fight Club 5. And when you first download the app, it's relatively empty. But you can find files on the online that have a lot of information. Like y- There are files that have all of the 5th edition information in them that you can import into the app. And Why it, doesn't the app have it? It doesn't come with it. I don't know. It comes with some basic information. Is it because that stuff's copyrighted? I don't think so. Because it's not necessarily the information. It's just stat blocks and stuff. So it's not necessarily for D&D. It can be used for... You can use it for anything. It's ba- okay. It basically stores information. Gotcha. And so you'll have your menu, and you can create a character. And then you click that character, and it brings up like an, an empty character sheet. Okay. And you fill in everything. You fill in the race, the you know the background, the class. Yeah, I had a, I had an app uh, for my computer that was like that called Master Plan for a while. Yep. Uh, which I used, and that got shut down because it was you importing. You were able to import like stats right from like Wizards huh. website things. So Maybe got there is down. something fishy about it. Then I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, yeah. Definitely look at it if you can find it. Probably yeah, it's sounds really like useful a very for, powerful tool. Yeah, it's really useful for tracking your your players' character right. sheets. So you constantly, you know, you it's it's annoying having to you know not know exactly where yeah. they're at as far as their What I ended movement. up doing is I took, uh, to make it a lot easier on me since I don't have an app, I took pictures with my phone of my characters, of the stat blocks, and then copied them into oh, okay. uh, PowerPoint and then just printed out individual little cards for each. I'm sure you've seen them where I've got yeah. the little cards of each monster because I can just hold them right together because it kind of evolved from note cards to right. a little bit easier way to do it. Yeah, and that's that's something you'll do on your own is throughout time you'll you'll start off with like a, a really basic system and you'll eventually find ways that you like to do it better and constantly improve yep. yourself. You'll develop and, it. Yeah, improve your own methods and you know the quality of your games will, will continuously go up. Right. One of the other things that we use that is just ungodly useful is a dry erase board. I cannot stress <laughs> enough how fantastic this little thing is. I started off with a really small eight and a half by eleven one that I started uh, using for tracking initiative, tracking HP, sketching positions on it when it wasn't when I didn't want to draw on my play mat because I already had something right. there. So it allowed me to give people quick references to where they're at. This is pretty good, especially if you don't have like you're doing theater of the mind and you don't have a big setup. It's a right. good way to say, okay, I put two dots here for to represent the players and the three dots represent the monster, and here's the corner of the building. Right. So they at least get in a rough idea without having to draw out this really super detailed map. Right. Um, it, I found that that was really useful for uh, for theater of the mind play. The next thing uh, that we use, and I really love these things, is uh, their player tents. Basically, they're like very tiny character sheets, I guess. Yeah, they're little laminated pieces of paper that you know fold over and kind of stand up on their own. Yeah, you don't have to laminate them. I chose to do that. Um, yeah, just so again, you can use wet, dry erase yeah, on them. Yeah, yeah, increases the quality and yeah, they they have basic information. So these ones that I we have here uh, have character name, uh, initiative and armor class, 
uh, any ins- there's a spot to track any inspiration the character may have concentration but what it uh, it's really cool because I can hang it right up over my DM screen right um, I can order them in initiative order or um, whatever way I want really right but more importantly it allows me to track the passive skills um, yeah perception and, insight and stuff and, you yeah, know conditions. all these things where I don't got to keep asking are you are you prone yeah are you poisoned because it's very easy. What was no, your passive perception? <laughs> What's your AC? Right. You know, what's your armor class? I don't have to ask that because I have them fill those sheets out and they hang on my DM screen. Mm-hmm. Or I put them in front of the players so I can see their names. Yeah. I'm really terrible with names. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I have tried really hard. I went through the Dale Carnegie class. Now, I'm a lot better since I went through the Dale, I became a Dale Carnegie graduate, but... I was always really bad with names, and I just gave you a hard time just because it right. bothered you so much. But <laughs> um, that's just me being a dick. But uh, I do recommend these, uh, the player tents. They're very useful. Yeah, definitely. Paizo offers a really great collection of folding uh, tabletop sheets. They're gridded maps that are very intricate with designs. You can write on them with wet erase and dry erase and all that stuff. And they give you a lot of uh, options for like like ten bucks. You can buy these, and both they're double sided, and they give you different terrain and stuff. It's very cool. Uh, you can also buy D and D has official tiles that they release that you can get to. Yep. They're kind of expensive to get the whole collection, yeah. but that's actually one of the reasons why I went to doing the stuff myself because I realized it was cheaper and I can customize it to yeah. my encounters and easier. If you go to you know almost any game store or hobby store. You know, you'll be able to find terrain pieces. For example, my dad, when I was younger, collected uh, model trains. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he has a lot of extra, like, fake grass and trees and oh, you know, very cool. all these little extra things that he doesn't use anymore. They're right. just packed up in boxes in the basement. And uh, so he, he's given me a lot of that stuff. And, you know, that's... More things to it's immerse not, your players. Exactly. It's not necessary, but it, it's it's just more immersive and it's more engaging. Yeah. And, and For instance, when we did the, the encounter, when we were going through Horde of the Dragon Queen, you guys were traversing uh, across the country. You guys got pulled into this forest yeah. where you were fighting these spiders. So I had these little fake trees made up, and I had uh, felt a green felt base and all these different things to really give the immersion factor to the players. Right. And... It didn't really hardly cost me anything. I spent like two dollars on the a yard of felt because it was on sale, like seventy percent off. Yeah, and yeah, blocks of felt of are actually pretty cheap. Yeah, and know? that's what I used as the base. And I've got multiple colors. I got a black, I got a black one, I got a brown one, and I've got a a, a green one that I used as my base. And since I don't use the, uh, I'm not a fan of the. I don't use the vinyl grid um, because I like immersion. So I don't even use squares as a measurement. I have little sticks that I made for yeah. wargaming to, if I really wanted my players to measure out um, distance. In regards to that, there are also various companies. I think, I'm not positive, so we might edit this out. But I think Wizards even make some themselves. They make these, you know, they might it might be a big, you know, circle, big clear plastic circle with a radius of, you know, five inches. Mm-hmm. And what that is essentially for is to track something that has a 50-inch or a 50-foot, no, not five-inch, 10-inch radius. No, 10-inch diameter. So five-inch radius. Math is hard. You know, it's a big clear plastic circle. I think back anything I've ever said about you being smart. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, math's not my subject. <laughs> Clearly. It is a big clear plastic circle with a five-inch radius that essentially you can put on your tiles to mark a, you know, 50 foot diameter. Yeah. And they make them in, you know, 
I've seen them in like cones to track things like a dragon's breath, mm-hmm. you know, a big circle to track a spell like fireball, stuff like that. So you can make more, so you can easier track uh, area of effect abilities. The next thing is, since you've known me, I've only ran, uh, and this is kind of sad, I've only ran published content because the group wanted to run the published content. Up until recently, I've always done my own stuff. Right. And I prefer that method. There's nothing wrong with following pre-generated stuff. Um, I personally don't do it because I'm expected to know everything that goes on in that world. Right. It's harder. And I can barely remember people's names. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm trying to remember what the elves do up in that little tiny tree that they're hiding up in the north. I have no idea. Yeah. And in my personal opinion, it's a lot easier to remember what those elves do in that tiny tree when you created created those elves in that tiny tree. I agree. So what I used is there's a generator called Don John's Generator. If you say it really fast, it's Dungeon, but Don John Generator. Ah, I see what they did there. This website, you, it's free to use, and you can create, you know, there's a generator for taverns that tells you how many people are in it, what their race, brief descriptions, what treasure they might have on them. And you just generate, and it'll automatically populate not only the, the people in it, what they look like, what their races are, some mannerisms. Give them little. It know. gives them little tidbits, okay. and it gives a random name to it. You know, like the troll in or something. Because that that's a really a big thing that I think people overlook is the small details of characters are the things that players remember. Oh yeah, for you sure. know that dwarf with the missing thumb is that missing thumb is probably what they're going to remember. Right. You know, they're probably going to, you know, in their group call him Thummy or something like that. And I'm sure you've noticed that when I describe multiple characters, I give them, like, bandanas or eye patches or something that makes them stand out for that exact reason. Right. But this website allows you to create customized NPCs, entire cities. It'll generate one telling you what the... What the government's like, how many people are in it, what the ratio of these different uh, people. It has this automatic quest generator to allow you to generate a quick quest on the fly with a basic blot, which is phenomenal. And I really love Donjon Generator, and it's free. Yeah, and I love free stuff. I'm a a fan of free. Yeah. The great thing is that... Favorite four-letter F-word. Yeah. (laughs) That's maybe my second. Actually, right after food. I was going to say, that's maybe my second. I'm a big fan of food. Um... You didn't think that's what we were going to say, did you? <laughs> Shame on you. And then the next thing, this is probably something that is pretty obvious, a DM screen. Yeah. Especially, you know, with, we were just talking about generators, or with the dungeon generator. Mm-hmm. This isn't even remotely close to that, but the D&D 5th edition, like, official Wizards of the Coast screen has a random name generator on it as well, which can be really useful if you know, hey, you know, you meet this guy, uh, what's his name? And you just roll D twenty a couple times, and it gives you syllables. You add those syllables to name. You add those syllables together. You create a name. I was playing. I, you know, I was running a campaign one time. They were coming up on the city. They asked what it was called. I realized I'm an idiot. I didn't name the city. So I rolled <laughs> on that table, and I got the name Osric. And so I was like, okay, the city's called Osric's Bluff. Okay, that was the name of the city. It, it, and it, you know, that kind of tool can save you sometimes oh definitely because the players don't have to know you don't have yeah. something prepared it also has you tell them. <laughs> all of the conditions that players can be in mm-hmm. um it's got a list of things you can prices of things you can find in cities mm-hmm. it's, it's got a lot of useful information on there i would to be say able to, to spot right on the quick fly yeah. if you need it and there are other companies that make their own screens mm-hmm. you know there are a lot of screens that you can find online that you can print out a lot of people make their own screens Conflict Games makes a really good That's one. the one you use, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. If you use, if you make your own screen, I would say go sparingly with how much information you put on there because yeah, a lot of the information you you're not going to see. 
you know, if there's so much information, you're just going to not use it. Right. Um, just try to find the information that you're going to need and you're going to have a hard time remembering. Right. Those Which for me two, is everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, those are the two main rules I try to follow. What do I need and what can I not remember? Why would you use a DM screen? Well, one, it has you know all, all these tools that can help you as a DM run the game better. And two, it can kind of hide your notes and the things that you're doing that you might not necessarily want your players to see. Like dice rolling? Dice rolling. Um, you know, As a DM, I use a lot of notes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I like to write everything out. And not like, you know, scripted encounters, but like I have, in you know, a lot of detail on everything. And, you know, if they're sitting there reading it and it kind of ruins everything for them. Right. So, you know, if they if they look at my paper and they see I'm, I have the monster manual opened up to a page like, oh, that's what we're going to fight, isn't it? Right, right. Well, obviously. So, um, you know, it's, it's just to kind of hide your own your your notes and your information from them because yeah. and hide roles if that's what you're into. Um, yeah. One of the big concerns that everyone has is that the DM is trying to kill them. That's not really the case. I use a DM screen not only to hide my notes, but to hide my rules because sometimes I want to save them. Right. Um, but sometimes you want you want to maybe yeah. you've got three monsters and the th- they keep missing. Maybe you got to fudge a roll to make sure yeah. they hit so the combat's interesting. Yeah, and I actually don't. I never fudge rolls as a DM. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't do it as a player either, but. Um, as a DM, I don't like fudging rolls because, you know, sometimes they might just mow through an encounter and I can play off that. You know, if they do fight something that they probably shouldn't be able to beat, but they all rolled natural 20s eight rounds in a row and just kill it. Right. Well, now I can play off that and now their characters... But that's different than, say, having four people around a table and every time the monster attacks, they miss. Right. That's not really going to be fun for them because it's not engaging. Now, yeah, and I, I don't guess, typically need to fudge numbers because the numbers right. usually are pretty, yeah. the odds are pretty good one way or another. But there's been a couple times where I've had one person almost get killed in the very first encounter of an adventure. Now, in 5th edition, I finally got over that. It doesn't matter. You're going to die because the, the game's designed right. to easily kill you at level 1. And easily come back. Right. Yeah. In 4th edition, I struggled to kill my players. Not not that I was going after them, but... Right. I had I struggled to build good encounters where they weren't too hard, but they weren't too easy as well. And sometimes I would mess up the encounter building, and usually that was on. Yeah, me. you know, and sometimes in big moments, you know, it's when I was a virgin. <laughs> big skill challenges that are you know, and literally possibly to bring someone back to life or something like that. Right. If I'm rolling and it's a very crucial roll, and I want them to know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm not fudging the roll, I'll roll outside of the screen and I'll roll right. in the center of the table so that everyone can see. That also builds that uh, adds to tension too, because they they're all they're all I guess, over the yeah. table. Yeah, yeah, you know, everyone's kind of craning over the table trying to see what it is, and yeah, you know. So I think there's of, an advantage of both of both, but I definitely yeah. think that the support that it gives, as far as and it's kind of the classic look too. Oh yeah, you know, just the the ba factor about it, just having the. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Words are hard. <laughs> Especially today. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I've had many, many a dice fall to the floor. Yes. Uh, I recently, I'd say it's been a year now, so I guess it ain't that recent, I bought my wife bought me a, a dice tower. You're so nice. It's amazing. My dice don't go flying everywhere. It control, keeps them into a nice controlled environment so that it, they don't take up extra space. Yep. You know, and that to me was a great investment. I think she spent 25 bucks on it. I actually built my own. I tried that. Um, I failed miserably. 
Yeah, I <laughs> I built one and it came out okay. I built it with uh, what's it called? Is a particle board like mm-hmm. the foam particle board? Yeah, I built it with foam particle board and uh, I didn't have a rabbit cutter, which is what you use to like uh, make like cut edges. So it didn't turn out as well as I wanted it to. So I I've been planning on making another one. How many years is that? Oh, it hasn't been that long. Oh. It was over the summer. <laughs> I built it originally over the summer. Oh, sounds like one of those things you built like ten years ago and then just kind yeah, of no, probably about. like probably like five months ago ish. Yeah. And so I, I've been thinking about my dad's got a lot of woodworking tools. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about possibly making trying to make one out of wood. That'd be uh, nice. Make a really nice one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, dice towers are really fun. Yeah, uh, and it keeps the area nice and neat too. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that. I love D&D, I love it all, but I, I get bothered all to hell when there's dice everywhere, and they're mixing and matching with dice, and people walk away with my dice. Yeah. This kind of helps mitigate that. There are bit. also dice boxes. There are a lot of companies that oh, make yeah. these yep. really nice you know, hardwood boxes. That, that felt on the inside. Yeah, yeah. And you can hold outside. all your dice in them, and you can roll on them, and they're, they're, they're beautiful. Wormwood is a really good one. Yeah, exactly. They make uh, phenomenally beautiful dice boxes and, yeah. and towers and they're, they're they're a little pricey but they're also very high quality and yeah. you know they just look amazing now don't you forget that we uh we haven't forgot about all our players out there we've exactly. got some pretty good uh resources for you as well aside from the dice tower i guess i should have let off with that before the dice tower came <laughs> out, but. well dms or players can use the dice tower you know right. it's, it's not structured it's, yeah one. it's useful for everyone anyone who's rolling die right dice Anybody that's played a spellcaster knows of the struggles of trying Flipping to... through the player handbook. Trying to... What page is the spell on? What page is the spell right. on? Is it a D10 or a D8? I don't know. <laughs> Wizards released officially sanctioned spell cards. Which are so nice. Which are awesome. And they're not too expensive. Right. You know, they, they, did, they did us players a huge favor by lumping the sorcerer, the wizard, and the warlock all into one set and it's just called the arcane set mm-hmm. and because those three classes are in there it also has a lot of bard spells and a lot of right because especially the wizard has access a right. lot to a lot of that stuff but it's really great because it helps you not have to flip through the book yep which can be annoying because that's not exactly as organized as i'd like it to be mm-hmm. um it allows you to easily prepare spells because you just draw the cards that you've prepared yeah, for that and day. Yeah, you can just have your cards in front of you the entire time. Mm-hmm. I've seen people use like the old like trading cards, trading like card sleeves. flip books. Yeah, yep. flip books. Yeah, those, and they just put them all in there so they can flip through and. Which, by the way, and is any get to a different than level. the <laughs> isn't that much different than the book, but you get to organize it to the way you want. Yeah, well, because once you get when you get to a higher level, you have way more spells. Right. So if you just like get the ones you're using and put them all, because it's really hard to put you know 15 cards right out in front of you and not be taking up other people's space. Yeah. When you have 15 cards, you want to be character sheet, your notebook, your D, your player handbook, your dice. You know, some play. You know. Not everyone has the most space when they're right, playing. Right, right. Depending on... We're lucky. We got a four by eight table. So yeah. I'll, actually, I think I cut it off a foot, so I think it's three and a half, three foot by uh, eight foot. But So not everyone has that big, giant table right. space. And you, this is a good way to help uh, kind of deal with that. And it, it saves you time. Right, yeah. When, when somebody's casting a spell and they're looking for... Boom, here's your card. Yep. <laughs> um, so um, I really like those. Going back to what we mentioned, someone we mentioned earlier, Fight Club 5 also allows you to store all your spells in there. So you can just click on the spell okay. you want, and it brings up all the information. Oh, very cool. Um, I was actually going to read into uh, an alternative to that, if you've got uh, Android, is D&D 5e Spellbook app. 
It's a free app, which gives you access to all the spell lists. It allows you to build each character's spell list and mark which ones are prepared. And it really is pretty good for keeping all that stuff right at your fingertips. In fact, I use it as a DM regularly because right. when I'm looking at monsters, they just have the names of the spells. They don't say what they do. So I got to quickly pull up what the spell does. So I, and I don't got to flip. I don't have to carry a player handbook right. to, to do that. Very convenient, very good on Android. You yeah, find it having to flip store. through the book and find a spell is even worse as the DM because now you're sl- like it's not even a player that's slowing right. people down; it's you. You and you're supposed to be setting the pace, right? So I definitely recommend that for all our players. Another thing that I've done is when I did my character sheets, I create took a small three ring binder. I keep all my notes, all my related to whatever adventure I'm running, all my character stuff. And what I did is I put it in those uh, clear reporting sheets yeah sleeves yeah just the sleeves yeah and this was really cool because it allowed me to do a lot of temporary editing like tracking hp you can just use a wet erase marker and just draw right on it and wipe it right off right off and it was good for tracking debuffs when i would get struck by an attack that would lower my strength for example like we talked about in the last episode yeah you know and it's simple things just like checking off death saves so you don't have to constantly be drawing and erasing or your health because your health number is going to change a lot on each character sheet right. every time you're in combat. So if you can just it like... It's worn out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it also is good for tracking uh, gold and stuff and, uh-huh. and, and temporary items that you're traveling with or, you know, we mentioned conditions. So there's a lot of good use to it and it doesn't damage the sheet so you got to keep this. At this point, you only will have to change the sheet when you level up at that point. Right. That really allows... You, you can take notes on it too in some cases. You know, I've put yeah. little... There's a little section for, you know, for allies and stuff on the 5e character sheet. I, I use that for notes. You know, I don't actually use it for ally and faction information, but um, I would write on there for notes and stuff. So there's a lot of good stuff you can do that uh, with a, a, a character sheet sleeve. Um, I recommend those. Another tool that can be used, I guess this one can also be used by players and DMs. Yes. Um, and these are something you use a lot, are yes. combat description cards. Some people aren't the best at describing their actions right here. in a yeah aren't the best at describing their actions in a you know a fluid way, and for example you know he's pulling out a couple right now I think he's gonna read some of the examples for you guys but yes I am a huge fan of these so this started up as a Kickstarter earlier this year by Conflict Games originally it came out with this this DM screen that has very descript it has writings on it and descriptions to allow you to quickly describe some sort of action yeah. but the cards are useful for players as well so for instance on this one they they're broken up into different categories and I've only got four of the categories here but there's quite a few different ones this one's got uh, a nice art on the left side saying piercing so that me- tells me that any weapon that's piercing any of these should do right. at the top of it it describes a, a finesse action and the middle describes a power action and then the bottom describes a ranged action now, this is all in one card right so for instance for the finesse action the title is called precise with a precise twist you propel your weapon's tip through your enemy. Quick, brief, but very descriptive. Right. But in addition, if the enemy is killed in the action, there's another part right below it following it says, your precise movements plunge your weapon into a vital spot, leaving your foe a twitching mess. <laughs> so that, I would never come up with that on my own. Right. But that it was, as a player and as a DM, was a quick description. It's apt. And it's to the point. Parats. 
get it to the point. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. Um, he's got a collection of these. You know, here, here's an example uh, for a slashing power blow. It's called flurry. You assault your foe with a flurry of powerful strikes, breaking their defenses and imparting a gory memento. And then if they happen to die, although your foe fights back with a flurry of desperate blows, you bat each one aside with a decisive cut to the throat. Hmm. So it really allows a lot of added description to what is otherwise just a boring attack. And we've discussed at length how important being able to describe your attack is. And don't worry for you spellcasters out there. There's there's cards for you too. Now it doesn't necessarily describe spells, but it can describe they've got one for pain. What is the result of a type of spell? Right. So let's talk about maybe vicious mockery for a second. Your thoughts and resolve are tested as a surge of pain sharper than you ever felt salt your mind. The sharp pain tears at you like claws of madness ripping away your sanity. So they've got these descriptions not only for the attacks, but the pain that results from either a spell or onto a player. You know, right. you, could, you could describe a player as they're being attacked. It feels as a tremendous weight is atop you as the crushing pain intensifies. Every part of your being is being compressed by the constant, all-consuming, crushing pain from the golem. So yeah, you know, you can you can see just with these, they can really be a helpful tool. For it people creates who a powerful, vivid. Yeah, for people who aren't necessarily great at doing that themselves, because you know, not everyone's a poet, not everyone's an author. Right. You know, we can't all be J.R.R. Tolkien. Right. And sometimes being descriptive can be hard. You know, you can picture it in your head, but you can't think of the words right. to describe it. And that because that's the thing about you know our language English is we have so many words to describe everything to describe the same thing yeah exactly <laughs> you know that sometimes it can be hard to find the right ones that you want another thing that uh, conflict games came up with and this would be more on the DM side is I can only think of so many w- ways to describe a room or an environment it's roomy but all I know and that I try to think hard of when I do is all the senses so they've got these cards that describe some of the three, some of the key senses. This one says, "Somewhere nearby, water slowly drips onto stone. If you listen closely, you can just make out the sound of running water trickling over a rock." Not a simple, huge, not a huge long paragraph, but it's simple and it gives enough flavor to to pretty much any. And as the environment, yeah, you know. and it's important. Yeah, and you know something we mentioned in the last episode is that. Not every detail is going to be important, per se, right. but it will add to what's going on, and it will add to the experience of your players. And that's just that's a really important thing to remember. You know, the way that you stab this guy in the long run may not be that important, but it adds to the experience, and it adds to the game. And it makes it more vivid for the players and the DM as well. Yeah. You know, you're the DM's gonna, experiencing it, too. Yeah, when a, a wizard walks into a room where a lot of magic energy is, and you hear the DM say, there's an odd smell in the air which you can only describe as the aftertaste of magic. The air hangs, redolent, with a charged scent of past magic. I personally, as a DM, if I didn't write that out in advance, I couldn't do it. Right. Which is what I was doing up until I got these things. And I've gotten a lot better since I've purchased Conflict Games uh, environment cards and combat description cards. 
So <laughs> obviously, I really like these. I'm really encouraged by yeah. them. I I tried. Well, yes, the thing is, we wouldn't talk about these products so much if we didn't use them. Right, right. The, you know, everything we've talked about is something one of, one us, of us uses used, in yes. some capacity. Yeah, you know. And we get we get use out of them. Yeah. And, are and generally, if, if, well. if there is something that I don't like or I don't use, I'll, I'll mention that because right. you know I'm just saying this isn't my favorite thing, but other people like this, and right. this is what they use. For instance, you know something as dumb as a dry erase board. I have a giant easel with yep. a two foot by three foot dry erase board, and my wife bought that for me because she heard me. I was bitching that there's never enough room <laughs> on my tiny little whiteboard, so that was a nice surprise. So that is our main topic. main topics, tools to help enhance your gameplay. Moving on to our third and final segment, my personal favorite. Oh, it's your personal favorite? It is. It's, it's become, mine too. It's become it my is, favorite. Yeah. Because it, it, it's it's constant. It's always there. It's always and the good. main topic changes. Yes. But this is this is always there for me. It's true. <laughs> I will be there for you. Yeah, <laughs> which is our third, our final topic, which is our unearth tips and tricks. Starting off, we have our character concept. Um, this is a concept I've actually gotten from a couple of my friends. I know a couple different people that don't know each other that have used this exact same. Concept. And then you've actually mentioned it briefly in episode one, I think. Yeah, I, I named it the title collector, but essentially, it's a character in the example that my friend used. He was an orc fighter, I believe. And he every time he achieved something or accomplished something, he adopted a new title from it. And, you know, he constantly was, you know, seeking out these glories and these challenges, trying to find these new titles and give himself these new titles. So eventually he was, I am Rondok, slayer of kings and dragons, breaker of worlds, defender of nations, liberator of slaves, bane of demons, banger of women, you know, and <laughs> dot, 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 you know, all these titles. And... He actually kept a list, and every time he created a new title, he wrote it on. And every time he introduced himself, he read <laughs> through the entire list. <laughs> and you know, it's just—it's one of those really fun things that you can add, bring right. to the table, and it adds to his character because now every time he goes to a new city, he's trying to. Yeah. What title can I? What's going on here? Oh, a right. contest of drinking! I'll have at it. Yeah, and you know, it—it's memorable. People, the people that were in that game remember that character. And By the way, I'm stealing this for the next character I built. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's the uh, character concept, uh, the title collector. Love it. <laughs> Our encounter of the podcast is the final countdown. Now, I'm pretty sure I got this, uh, a variation of this at some point From out Europe. of, uh, a, what? From Europe, the band. Oh, oh, the final <laughs> count. I see what <laughs> you did there. So, uh, in the final countdown, the, the players enter this black room. And it's not just any blackness. It is magical blackness. So, as they're walking in, their torches don't work. This is normal dark. <laughs> this is advanced dark. Their, their light spells, you know, are about the only thing that can do anything with it. Their, you know, dark vision doesn't help. But anyways, as they all enter the room... On opposite end, they can see... Uh, well, they can't see nothing. <laughs> as they all enter the room, uh, they hear a loud... As not only the door in where they just came into, but in a door a complete, uh, completely... Across? Across from where they're standing, shut. Slam shut. 
at this point, the magical darkness kind of dissipates, and they're left in this giant room with the side walls have massive spikes on them, and in the center of the room is a very large dias. Dias? Dias. Dias. A large dias. Diana's ass? (laughs) In the center of the room is a large dias, and at one side of it is two metal poles that come up out of the dias with chains and holding a skeleton. And on the opposite end of it is a pedestal. And on that pedestal, and on that pedestal uh, is at the top is a large sigil, and then floating above it is this rune. And this rune starts counting down. Now, whether you make it a common so the players know that it's a countdown starting from maybe 30 seconds or 20 seconds or whatever time you dictate, it starts to count down, and the walls start to close in very gradually. But if they put their hand on the sigil, it resets, hmm. right? And Along the the side of the uh, pedestal is death is the only way out. Or whatever other red herring you want to put on there to suggest how that the, a clue to success. So obviously they'll come to the conclusion that they got to put somebody on top of, or in yeah. the shackles and let them die for the gate to open. Um, they can try busting down the door. Now I don't make it impossible, but I make it very, it very difficult. Because it's magically sealed. <clears throat> Picklocking, if they crit, they're definitely going to succeed and get around it. But, you know me, I'm not a big fan of giving repeated checks. Right. Um, if it's something that's super hard, then I'll maybe have them do a small skill challenge. But for the most part, it's going to be near impossible for them to just get out of this situation. But what happens is, as the do- if they put their hand on that sigil, it resets it. So they'll constantly have as much time as they want to figure it out. Or A, they're going to starve to death. Yeah. <laughs> because they can't get out. Or they're going to sacrifice somebody. Now, putting somebody on that pedestal will open the door. Okay. But the real trick is if they don't and it starts to close and it gets just enough to where they might get poked a little bit, it stops. It resets and the door's open. So really, just they're... whether they let it get to that yes. point. So really, they're not in danger at all. No, but they don't know that. And so the room's designed to only let the intelligent through, Right. I gave a very brief description of dying is the only way out, suggesting that they need to let it close. But you can come up with whatever red herring you want or whatever clues or whatever you want. To. And if you have an excessively wise member in your party, you know maybe they could make a check and be able to tell that at the rate the walls are closing, they're not going to get all the way in in 30 seconds. Well, no, they... they yeah, and that's that's the the what I did is I had somebody actually. Of ask course, about I guess that. they don't know that at the end of thirty seconds the door is open. So. Right? No, Never they mind. don't. <laughs> um, the what I actually had somebody ask is, well, can I see witness marks on the walls? I'm like, well, why would you need to? See? Yeah, how far do they go? Mm. It never travels far enough. So he actually discovered the trick because there were scratches on the wall all the way up to where it stops. <laughs> it was very clever, um, yeah. and I rewarded that right. by saying, well, you know, it's never past this. So based on that, you know that it isn't going to close all the way. Right. Or it's never killed anybody. Yeah. You can't be 100% sure. But yeah. <laughs> I can't, it's very interesting, and it'll really test their metal. Because if they put somebody on that and let somebody die, it'll open. You know, you can have a little, little area where blood runs down and runs into the, into the pedestal or what, what have you. But the goal here is to test whether they're clever enough. Now, my team got out. 
will yours? Right. That is our encounter of the podcast, the final countdown. Moving on to the DM tip. Give rewards, but give rewards that aren't always gold and magic weapons. Yes, this is something I think that gets overlooked often. Yeah. Everyone wants to give out, well, here's 20 gold, here's 50 gold. One of my favorite gold. rewards to give out, actually, Trash one of my favorite rewards to receive is like a home. You know, like you get like a, you know, a small keep or a castle mm-hmm. or just like a big you know, farmstead or a big area of land that is now yours and you can do with, do with what you see fit. You know, there's, a, there's a many options you can give for rewards. Uh, titles in prestige is a really powerful one, you know. When you, your heroes just saved a village, or not a village, let's say you saved a city, a kingdom, and something grand, and the regent, or the lord, or emperor, what have you, pulls you out in front of a crowd of tens of thousands, and he's got you there, and they look out and say, my friends... These are your heroes. Our city and kingdom is safe because of the heroics of these heroes. And that can lead to huge reputation. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, you might get titles out of it. You might be, I'd like to introduce Master or Lord or the High Priest or the Art Mage. Or titles that usually are associated with people who are already in the world and are, are big right. deals can be passed on to you and how amazing would that be for the player if they've been taking orders from this art mage for a long a long time and they're getting up there and level and all of a sudden they themselves become an arc mage right and they get that title and all the glory that comes with it and all the the renown that comes with it that really will make your players day and it's really great for endings of campaigns um or you can give them uh, a suffix which might be like the great or the wise or the bone crusher, you know, you can have fun with that stuff. You know, if they're, if they save a, uh, you ever play a fable? The fable series is one of my favorite. If you got, if you've got a person who constantly is saving the villages, but is hitting on every woman along the way, maybe they start calling them the chicken chaser, you know, something like that. So titles and prestiges that can be given from a noble or somebody, really can have a big impact on your player's personality. <laughs> a simple example of that, that in World of Warcraft, in World of Draenor, which most people don't view as a great expansion. I liked it. But at the beginning, you know, when you were first starting your garrison and everything, everyone called you Commander. Mm-hmm. And everyone on Reddit and everyone in Trade Chat, you know, I love being called Commander. <laughs> this never gets old. You know, just things like that. It, it's cool. You know, it, right. it's And fun. especially if you guys, if you're heroes now, let's say you're a, a powerful wizard, you're level 15, and now you've got the title of Archmage. And you walk in to this, uh, into this noble's house, and they say, Archmage Alistair, what a pleasure it is to see you. That alone will just rack your player's right. brains. I know what's happened to me where I'm just like, holy shit. Yeah, you know how so, does this person know who I am? You right, know? exactly. If you know, if your players do like for example, like you said, you know, save the city, perhaps they'll be put on like the king's council or, you know, they'll you know, they'll be you know, they'll be whispering in the king's ear. They'll be the advi- yeah, one of the advisors to the king. You know, these are things that power. can happen. Yeah. yeah. Positions, you know. That's actually one of the other ones, so good job. Yeah. I can call it something else, but yeah, I like VIP that access, I yeah. like that better. Uh, <laughs> you know you might be entrusted with special, you know, responsibilities mm-hmm. and privileges from, you know, the king, emperor, noble, whatever the 
type of authority is. Yeah, a good example. I've actually done the permissions thing where I had somebody uh, put on a console, and that console had access to a special library. And in that special library, I had wrote three custom spells that weren't in the book for my players. And that was their reward. It wasn't just the position, but once they started reading through this, and they spent they spent a long amount of time learning and sifting through the books before they found these spells. But once he did, he about shit himself. <laughs> He's like, "Holy crap!" And they were pretty. I made them pretty op. Um, but that was that was kind of the reward for the achievement they've made. Right. Because I put a lot of stipulations to get to that point, and they didn't. They didn't even know they were working towards that, but that was the final goal. So you can do a lot with, you know, titles and prestige and renown. You know, maybe you build up a a following, you know, uh, get to the point where when somebody insults you, you can say, don't you know who I am? Yeah, you know, the thing (laughs) that NPCs constantly say to you. Right, right. You can now pull that on them. Right. Land is a, a pretty big one. Giving land that's not taxed. Now... In my games, I've had it where if you owned property, you had to pay so much gold Mm -hmm. over time. And then we randomly rolled to see how much you earned in, say, a 10-day. Maybe they already got me. Well, you can make it tax-free. Yeah. You know, maybe that really stops seeping into their coffers a little bit and, you know, can help them out a little bit. Or maybe there's special uh, land with natural resources, you know, which could be its own... Reward? Hooks. Could be its own hooks. Oh, yeah, its own adventure. If If you're in... If you're in an area and you're given rights to this land where the river runs, you know, that sections your river. You know, what What if, can you sell it to somebody? Can right. you utilize it? Can you make it so people what can use it? What happens when someone else com- comes right. and tries to take the river? Yeah, you know, so there's a lot you can do with that. You mentioned briefly uh, buildings, yeah. your own home. Yeah, That's businesses, a homes, you know, you know, tavern, shop, or, you know, even a farm. You yeah. Know, that can put a lot, and if it's role played really well and brought in values brought by the DM, there's a lot they can do. I like the idea of giving them, making them in charge of like a keep or something like that. You know what I mean? Where yeah, because then you have a challenge of okay, so do they have security? How do they pay for that security? How much do they pay for that? They mm-hmm. pay for that security. You know, who takes care of it when they're not there? Right. You know, there are a lot of things that. And that can be its own special thing. I mean, I and and MMOs I love, and this is one reason why. I, I pull, keep pulling away from Wild and back to Wild Stars. I love building my own, my own plot. I love yeah. building everything and, and controlling it and dealing with it and having parties and stuff. So when you give those options available, because maybe they're tired of staying at inns all the time, you know, give them a place to come home to. Maybe even give them uh, family. You know, there's yeah. a, there's a lot of rewards. Maybe when they save Reward the city them with wives, yeah, well, or husbands. <laughs> uh, right. Maybe when uh, or. Well, or whatever or both. swings your yeah whatever swings your fancy I guess, but maybe when they get that big renowned or they get that big plot of land, some people start taking notice and throwing themselves at themselves, throwing themselves at them. Other thing, other rewards, uh, animals. Mm, yes, like yes. like mounts. Yeah, horses. You know, pack animals, mm-hmm. mules, donkeys. Things that they can leverage to make their journey a little quicker, a yeah. little easier. I know that. Uh, I was I'm big on when my heroes start to get a lot to hoard, they need a place to put it. Yeah. And when they're going from city to city, they're lugging that stuff around most of the time. They can get robbed. So it becomes an incentive and a value added for So having uh mounts and horses and animal messengers or maybe train guard dogs or guard animal. I mean it doesn't yeah. have to be a dog, but and then obviously the top of the line gift as far as animals would be some sort of flying yeah, like a, creature, like a yeah. hippogriff or a griffin. Yeah, some kind of trained, uh, domesticated flying beast. And those are amazing rewards. I mean, 
and players that also will in, and, and this kind of throws back to enhancing your combat. You know, once you've got people flying on trained hippogriffs, that can really change the tide of combat. Mm-hmm. You know, now when you're fighting a dragon, it's no longer on the ground. <clears throat> you're sailing through the air on the back of a hippogriff or a griffin. You know, that can totally add to the, the three dimensions of combat. Definitely. You know, maybe your players can use their new fame to leverage discounts and better prices and, you know, as a bargaining chip at right. local businesses or for... Maybe it's just a flat, you have this discount. Yeah. No matter where you go, show the seal and they won't charge you half as much. Yeah, exactly. You know, things like that can be really useful if, you know, you... Oh, I want to I wanna try to get this, this item enchanted with something. Okay, well, this guy will do it for half price because, you know, you're... Because of the seal you're carrying around and your reputation. Yeah, you know, they because know he you knows are. who you are and you're famous in this area. Yeah, And he'll be able to say, I helped serve the Archmage. Yeah. What have you done? <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe you help a specific group of people. You, you help out, you know like a thieves guild or something and you're a big clunky barbarian so they train you a little bit and teach you how to be a little more stealthy mm-hmm. you know they might give you they might help you you know in metagame terminology you might gain proficiency in like the stealth or the sight of hand skill or even but, being able to use the lockpick yeah or being able to use the thieves tools. tools yeah you know but yeah in, in like in actual you know special knowledge that can be acquired through renown or through um, because of the connections you make and the people right. you know. And I, I think that those are things that get overlooked. And then uh, there's a lot of lost opportunity there, I think. Now, this last one you have to be careful with. Mm-hmm. Um, but if done right, can really be a blessing. <laughs> Parats. And it is blessings. Boons and blessings. <laughs> um, temporary buffs or one-time effects or... You know, things that are either given by a powerful mage or a, a powerful diviner, um, maybe a, a deity or a minor deity, gives you a boon for your assistance to them. Yeah. That's something that gets overlooked all the time. Once again, I keep referencing that's a lost opportunity because, well, maybe they just spent all this time uh, working for this holy deity and saving these people, so now the next person that dies gets automatically resurrected, you know, or they get one free life or they go into battle with bonuses to attack or, and their armor is shimmering or maybe they get special charms that can be used to uh, allow them to be more proficient in something. Maybe they gain insight into knowledge. So all their spells become more potent. Right. You know, you can cast a second level spell with a first or you can cast every spell in a spell slot at one level higher without consuming the higher slot. So cast a second level spell in a first level spell slot. Cast a first level spell in a second level only using oh, a first level. okay, okay, okay. So I know that sounds complex, so that's the one I used, and I really liked it. Um, yeah. But what it did is it, their deity was supra- uh, supplying a little bit more yeah, so oomph. most of the time you were getting an extra damage die. Yes, from the, you know, pretty or much. A healing die. And so he was getting a little bit of extra oomph in his, yeah. his effects. So, you know, boons and blessings, there's a lot of them in the DMG. Make sure you reference it. Yeah. There's some really good stuff in there. But once again, you got to be really careful that you put a duration on those bad boys. Yeah. <laughs> and if your players are getting them all the time, they lose that special factor. You know? Right. They're not as big of a deal anymore. So, you know, use them, use them sparingly. All right. That's our uh, Dungeon Master tip of the podcast. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. It should have been its own episode probably. It's a lot of tips. 
Our magic item is the Amulet of Mockery. I think last week we actually talked about sentient items. And yes, and that's why I tossed uh, one in here because I, I thought you liked items. it. So. I love sentient items. They're so much fun. Right. Um, in case you can't tell by what I just said, I'm it's a sentient ex- item. <laughs> super, super excited. Yeah. Um, and it's chaotic neutral, uh, and it's controlled by the DM. And essentially, what it does is it just is mean to people and it just insults <laughs> everyone all the time. You know, whoever's around is just yelling at them. You know, your mother was a kobold. You know, <laughs> and. Uh, it constantly just gives commentary on things around it. You know, think of the person that you know that constantly has to point out everything that's going <laughs> Captain around. Captain Obvious. When it's really not that, yeah, that's this amulet. That's this That's this item. Yeah, it's got maybe it's got a little frowny face on yeah. the amulet. It, you know, it, it has to be worn. If it's not being worn, it's pissed. Yeah, it's very you know, it disgruntled. Doesn't care, it doesn't care who the schmuck is that's wearing it as long as the person's not evil. Yeah. But, you know, it just wants to be worn and it wants to be able to see, you know. It, well, it really probably just wants to insult people, really, yeah. and the only it can't get around on its own, so it yeah. needs somebody's help. It's got to be one. Um, but what's interesting is um, because the DM controls it, it can spurt out at random spots, maybe re- responding to some of the things that the the players are saying, or maybe they're in a important you know dip- diplomatic mission, and this thing just starts insulting the hell out of the noble and pisses right. them off, or something along those lines. Um, it really allows, makes for a lot of fun role play. You, if you want it and you've got this item, you can give the DM a few lines that you think would be funny and things like, you know, you know that, uh, that half orc rogue over there is ugly as shit and will never make a successful, a successful assassin. So maybe you decide that you want to tell the DM, Hey, I want this thing to constantly give him a hard time about this thing. Or, you know, maybe it, it kind of bites the owner in the butt. Oh. And, you know, while they're trying to sleep. Have you ever seen the Annoying Roommate video? Uh-uh. While he's trying to sleep, it's just, Hey, Aaron! <laughs> hey, Aaron! And just constantly talking to him through the night. He's, oh my god, I just want to sleep. Well, not only that, it could reveal things about yeah. the person, too. Oh, yeah, secret you're not, or... You're not going to believe what he was doing to himself last <laughs> night. I mean, there's there's a lot of, lot of fun to be had. And obviously, there's not, there's not a whole lot of combat utility to this. We did give it one thing. We wanted to treat that the DM at his discretion when insulting during combat, maybe. He could roll a d20 and maybe on a 19 and a 20 or just a 20. The amulet itself successfully casts the vicious mockery spell. Yeah. Um, I would set the DC to like 14 or something like that. Yeah. Nothing too terribly Not high. Ridiculously high, but still failable. But enough that can, they can get some oomph out of it. Um, that's not necessary. The whole point of this uh, this item is really to be fun and yeah, it's more of a role play centered right. item with a small combat use right and i think that it could be a but, lot of fun you know maybe it casts it on you or one of your allies it doesn't necessarily, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily have, have to be, be an, cast enemy. At an enemy right and that yeah so that wraps up our magic item uh the amulet of mockery our player tip of the podcast don't, don't be, be a, a dick. dick you can avoid dickitude by uh share the dm's workload you know offer to help in whatever ways that you can you know keep track of your own initiative or, you know, keep track of things. Talk to the DM. There's a lot that's going on behind that screen. And having an extra yeah. per- helping hand, having one person extra helping, yeah. one person that you're willing to turn over monster HP to, player HP, initiative tracking, little things like that, or even running monsters, really takes a load off yeah. on the DM. And this would be similar to co-DM, not quite to that level, but it's enough to give the DM relief to focus on the more important aspects of the game instead of the tiny minutia. Yeah. You know, one thing that kind of is un- underappreciated is the DM. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, you know, if you're playing on a tabletop, you know, moving the minis. You know, it's very annoying for, when someone's saying, okay, you know, and they're pointing, like, I want to move from right there to over. Just pick up your mini and move them. Right? <laughs> you know, it, it's not that simple. You know, sometimes... It's easier for other people to reach sometimes. Well, and some people do play where, like, the DM is at a separate table, and he might have the board, and they're all over there, and so it's not really possible for you to move the mini, mm-hmm. so the DM has to, but then usually DMs have ways to get around that. They have, yeah. like... I prefer, personally, to like have that. one of my players in charge of making yeah. sure all that gets done. Yeah. I don't... My brain is small enough. <laughs> I can't afford space of constantly, okay, where do I got to move this person? Right. What do I got to yeah, do Yeah, I that? usually tend to have, like, the rule of... Everyone moves the character that they're controlling. Right. So I move, if I'm DMing, I move the bad guys because I know where they're going. And, you know, every player moves their own character because they know where they're going. Right. Except for I seek out help when moving my monsters because I might describe an action of the kobold, you know, kind (laughs) of as he dashes towards you, attempts to shiv you in the side. I don't care where the mini's at. Right. It's just got to be next to him. Right. Now... If he's got to move a certain way to avoid combat, he's going to do that. And usually the person that I have moving it will do that for me. Right. I don't have to worry about that stuff. So, Because that just slows the game down. Yeah. Instead, I can move on to the next person as they're already moving people, uh, moving the minis in place. Helping the DM is a great asset. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it never hurts if you offer to, once in a while, DM a session yourself. That'd be nice. Yeah, you know, some people, like Justin, for example, loves being a player. But he's constantly trapped into being the DM, and so yep. you know if 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 that's the situation that your DM's in, you know offer offer to take the reins once or twice, and yeah, and it doesn't have to be super regular enough to give them a break to let them be a player. Holidays and stuff like that's a good opportunity to do that, where you can do a one shot. Right. Um. It doesn't even have to be in the same campaign. You can say, you know what, Ryan, I appreciate all the work you've been doing today. Here's a blank character sheet. Here's the PH. Go make a character. Right. Tell everyone else to join you. We're going to run a one-shot tonight. My eyes would light up instantly. I'll tell you what. <laughs> if that ever actually happened to me, <laughs> I would light up personally. Um, because that... I don't... DMs usually don't get to be the players. Right. We're usually stuck in it. Now, I don't mind it. I love DMing. I like to be a lot of different characters. But sometimes it's nice to not have to deal with the stress of it. Right. Well, it's a lot. There is something to be said for, you know, playing one character. Mm-hmm. and playing that character over and over and over again for a long time. You know, you do kind of get attached to the characters you play in mm-hmm. that sense. So, yeah, being a player definitely is special to some people. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, if you take an opportunity to, to help your DM, you won't be a dick. And, you know, in future sessions, they might kind of be a little nicer to you. <laughs> yeah, or they might take, uh, there might be an appreciation for the DM job at that yeah. point, too. Yeah, yeah, that as well. You uh, might learn how much they go through. And how much a-holes are <laughs> at, your, at your desk or at your table. So that is our player tip of the podcast. Don't be a dick. Avoid dickitude by sharing the DM's workload. So some good news. Our website has launched. It is critacademy.com. So, oh, you got the official domain. I did. I bought it last night. Oh, okay. So I'm very excited. Um, so you can find a list and links to all the tools that we've discussed on our page. Awesome. We've made it super easy for you. You can, there'll be links taking you right to the sources. You can choose to buy them, purchase them if you want. It's our goal here at Crit Academy to make your life easier. 
while annoying the hell out of you at the same time. So please visit us at critacademy.com. Please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes, and we discuss our main topic, homebrew rules. If you have any that you use, please email us and let us know. Your homebrew can end up on Crit Academy to share with all of our heroes. We hope you enjoyed your experience here at the Crit Academy. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help others find our show by leaving, hopefully, a five-star review on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Lipson. You can also subscribe to us so that we can help you on your future adventures. If you have any questions you want answered or subjects you'd like us to discuss, please leave us feedback on Twitter or Facebook at Crit Academy, or you can email us at critacademy at gmail.com. Make sure to visit our website and subscribe to our newsletter. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your co-host, Ryan. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Heroes.